Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that wants to know the answer to the age-old question of why there's so many songs about heartaches, but none about backaches. It's Dale. <laughs> I don't know. I could use one today. Yeah. My back hurts today. A little rough, man. Yeah. Work, a little working in the salt mines today. Got a little rough, didn't I? I tell you, maybe we can write a song about backaches. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. My dog got run over, and I have a backache. I'm burying him. Here goes another backache. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bonnie Tyler could have done one. Yeah, just another ache in her back. Yeah. <laughs> had, hey. a, had a rough night in the sack, got another ache in her back. Yeah. I don't know about that one. If somebody could write a song about that, they could make a million bucks. Yeah, maybe toothaches. Yeah. Backaches. What's going on, dude? Oh, same old, same old, brother. Same old. Same old, same old. Yep. Ready to do an episode of this podcast Enjoying, enjoying the cool weather, yes. Man, yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's nice. Free air conditioning. Just go outside. Yeah, feels nice. The Crack House Chronicles has free air conditioning. After this uh, heat wave of a summer we've had. God, I hate to, I hate to eat, man. <laughs> I know you whine all the time. Yeah, I hate it. I hate to eat mosquitoes and bugs and gnats. And, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got any good shout-outs? Anything you want to talk about, dude? Man, I do. We got a couple of five-star, five-star, five-star. We need five-star. some cool effects, man. Can we get like an iCarly thing, you know, with a little effect gimmick? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So uh, we've got a couple of five-star reviews this week. We really appreciate those. And first one we got is from Chino Fresh. It says, super interesting. Cleveland County born and raised. Love hearing all about this stuff and keep up the good work. Wow. And uh, really, that's Colin Blanton. I just want to give him a shout-out because I know who it is, but I appreciate the five-star, brother. Okay. That's my boy. All right, and we have another one came in today, I think, or yesterday. It yeah. came in today. Oh, sweet. Said, love this show. I'm so addicted. I listen daily on my commute to work. I don't know what I'm going to do when I finally listen to them all and have to wait for the next show to drop. I also like being able to say I knew Dale way back then. Whoa. Ain't that cool? That's very cool. MLB51268. Well, thank you, MLB. 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 We appreciate you. We do. If anybody else wants to go to Apple Podcast and leave a rate and review, do it. Do it. Write something in the box, click the five star, and we will give you a shout out. That's right. We sure will. We enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Makes a good good time. If anybody wants to order anything off the website, do that too. Get do you it. a t-shirt. Coffee mug. Yeah. Sticker. Get you something. Onesie. You got anything else? I think that's about it, bud. I would like to say we really appreciate Miss Sue coming on last week. Yeah. Man, that was a- Mother really of Kimberly cool. Raymer. That's right. Miss Sue in finger. Yes. Keep her in your thoughts and prayers and- Hopefully, they can find some answers. It's been 25 years, but she's still not giving up, man. That's right. She's fighting the good fight, trying to find out what happened to her daughter, man. And we trying to. We appreciate everybody sharing it and just trying to get the word out there. Maybe we can do something to help her out. All the folks down in Alabama, she's doing a great job getting getting the word out. And man, we just need to bring that girl home. Yep, just doing our part to keep the story alive, keep it going, bud. That's right. Yep. All right, if anything else, dude, we are going to get going in our episode, man. Let's do it, man. We've babbled enough. We have babbled enough. People will be saying something about we'll be, it. We'll be getting dirty emails again. Yeah, I'll talk too much. Damn, two minutes is over, yeah. boys. <laughs> but this week, uh, we've got a pretty interesting case. We do. It is, uh, we're talking about Aaron Corwin. Aaron Corwin. Yep. Just a little bit of background on Aaron Corwin. She was born on July 15th, 1994 in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, USA. Is that where the boys are from? Hmm? Is that where the boys, yeah. boys are from? Oak Ridge boys, yeah. Okay. But this is in Anderson County in Tennessee. Gotcha. 
Now, when she was just three weeks old, Dale, she was put into foster care. Right. And there was a couple named Bill and Lori Heveland. Okay. They took her in into foster care, and they just fell in love with her. Yes, they did. Yep. And they actually adopted her when she was three and a half years old. Yeah, she said as soon as she saw her, she knew she was going to have to keep her. Yep. <laughs> just raising her as their own, man. That's right. But they had fostered other kids and adopted other kids, and they had a couple of their own natural kids, too. That's right. It takes special people to do that. Kind it, of stuff. it really does. But now, growing up, Aaron's mom said that her daughter was shy, reserved, and apart from when she was around animals, she was sort of outgoing when it comes to animals. Well, they call her the animal whisperer. Yep. Well, I don't know if they call her that, but that's what she was. Yep. I mean, anybody can train a cat to do tricks. She did it. Yeah, crazy. To sit and... Roll over and uh, shake her head, or what was it? It was a couple, couple tricks, yeah. Two or three tricks. Anyway, if you can get a cat to do anything, you're doing good. Yeah, because the cat... stare at you like you idiot. Yeah, she didn't... Cats don't want to be petted anyway. <laughs> I mean, I love cats, but just trust me, you're, you're there for them. Yeah. <laughs> you're their pet. Yeah. Yeah. But Erin, she was quite an equestrian, man. She loved the horses. Mm. Yeah. And she kept a beloved pony called Riley at Staples near her childhood home there in Oak Ridge. Now, when she was about 10 years old, she had met a boy named John that she had befriended. And they weren't especially close at first. Right. But then about five years later, they started talking and chatting over Facebook. Right. And when Aaron turned 16, they started dating. Well. Yep. And he had actually went to her parents and asked them if he could take her out. Well, that's pretty pretty good of him. Yep, and they seem honorable anyway. And they seem to like John pretty good. Very polite young man. Right. Yeah. He's kind of reserved. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like kinda her in a way. Back, yeah. He didn't really care about the horses, but he liked watching them do the horses. Yeah. I think they met well, actually in person there at the farm. Okay. And then they got into more talking over Facebook when he sent a request, and then uh, they got into the DMs and got to talking a good bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the. Um, way it is nowadays the way it works mm-hmm. the way of the world yeah because kids today they can't i can't imagine them calling up a parent and say hey is your daughter there can i speak to her yeah because I, I used to hate that oh yeah because they never answered the phone it was like hello yeah <laughs> yeah these kids wouldn't know what that was like no Mm-mm. terror yeah a wave of terror break over you yeah you get you get a hot feeling yeah oh my god her daddy's on the phone her daddy's on the phone <laughs> all right but john he had always planned to join the Marines, Dale. Okay. And after he graduated high school, he went into the Marine Corps. And they kept a long-distance relationship there for a while, him and Aaron. But Aaron never really moped about them being apart. She'd write letters to him, and they'd write back and forth and really kept in touch. That's when he was in basic training. Right. Yep. And whenever he was back from training, you know, he'd pop in at the house for dinner, play board games, and just really become part of the family. Now, in July of 2012, John proposed to Aaron. Right. And this was a little bit kind of cute in a way. Her favorite soft drink was Sprite. Yes. And he had put an engagement ring on her straw. Right. And then gave her the drink. Yeah. And she just... Just fell for him right there. Right. Well, they was very, very young. Yes, they were young. No doubt about it. 
I think he was 19 at the time, and she was just 18 then when they got engaged. Young folks. Very. I mean, they were kids. Yes. And then the young couple, they, they got married in uh, November of 2012. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, that was in a Las Vegas ceremony. They just went to yeah, Vegas. Yeah, they, they eloped. Mm-hmm, yeah, pretty they much. Yeah, a little uh, chapel. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then they moved out to John's Marine uh, John's Marine Base in 29 Palms, California, in September of 2013, mm-hmm. so almost a year later. That's where he had posted to a uh, military base. Right, because I think after they got married, he actually got sent, uh, deployed to Japan for, yes. for a while, yeah. And then when he came back, that's when they actually got to go be together as a married couple. And Aaron was living at home with the parents while he was in Japan. Correct. Yes. Yes. But now Aaron's mom, knowing how shy she was, she worried about Aaron making friends. Mm Mm-hmm. But she was pretty thrilled to hear that they had quickly formed a relationship and friendship with some neighbors they had there in 29 Palms. Well, she was also uh, relieved to know that they were going to be living on base. And then that way she would be uh, basically with some other Marine wives. And looked after. Yeah, and so that way they got plenty of people around so she could probably meet some friends, you know, and be like a little close-knit deal mm-hmm. there, right? But they uh, struck up a friendship with a group of neighbors, including Christopher Lee and his wife, Nicole. Mm-hmm. And they had a five-year-old daughter named Liberty. I think that's a cool name, man. That is a very cool name. Right. And so they would just hang out, watch TV, uh, grill out, and just... Have a good time. Yeah. They also were friends with Connor and Aisling. Is that how you say it? Asling. Asling, you say it. Maliki. Yeah. Yeah, they had... Uh, they lived downstairs from the Corwins. Yeah. Yeah, and they had an infant son. Mm-hmm. His name was uh, Brian. Yep. Yep. Now, while all the guys there in the military base, they were on duty, hadn't go to work, all the women just sort of hung out and mm-hmm. hang out at each other's apartment, and they'd, I guess, go shopping and just do the women thing. Get together, snacks and gossip, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, they're probably pretty young, most of them. Yeah, except for Christopher Lee and his wife, Nicole. They were a little bit older. Yeah. Um, actually, I think Chris had already done, like, two tours. In Afghanistan? I think he was 24, I think, at yeah. this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that his wife was a similar age. So they're just a little bit older, but not a whole lot. Yeah, he'd been to Afghanistan twice. Right. So, yeah. He was a little bit more mature and older than the other ones correct yeah now chris even though he'd been on a couple of tours he was kind of kind of reckless you know for once he's he'd been re- uh, reprimanded by a commanding officer for using the rifles and rocket launchers like they were toys in the time you know so he kind of got in trouble for stuff like that so he's he's a uh, he's a little reckless in stuff he does even though he's playing with uh, weapons he liked to mess with some heavy duty stuff yeah guns and explosives and that kind of stuff yeah and meanwhile the, the corwins you know they weren't really ready for the challenges that came with all being newlyweds as far as you know fighting over money and this kind of thing because you know he's not making much money and even though they're living on the base and the marine corps would pay for their their apartment and their power and that kind of thing he was the only one working you know and she's sitting home bored so. yeah so i'm sure they're not they don't have a lot of money so they were you know right off the bat getting on each other about overspending and this kind of stuff. And I think Aaron had maxed out one of the credit cards, too. Yeah, and he had to take a card away from her, and she was all pissed off about oh, that. Oh, I, I bet so. Yeah. And I think Ed, you know, went in and probably bought a couple of TVs, video games, this kind of stuff, you know, just because they're kids, man. They yeah. They don't know no different. Mm-mm. You know, actually, you know, they just got together. I mean, before, they were just in love and crazy about each other, and then they're married. And yeah. Just now, and then he leaves to go to Japan and come back, and now... They're together, and they really don't know what they're doing. And living on the other side of the country, right. away from their away parents. from everybody, yeah. Yeah, so they're having to really grow up fast and, and learn a hard lesson right, real quick. But now, 
the Corns deal, they weren't prepared for the challenges that came as newlyweds. You know, we talked about the money and the fighting and uh, accusations of be, of overspending, but uh, Aaron got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was quite happy with this. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, announcing it with a blue and pink post on Facebook. Oh, yeah, got to put her on the Facebook. Yep. <laughs> but it wasn't long after that. It was pretty devastating that she had a miscarriage. Yeah, just a few weeks later. Yeah. That put her into a depression. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, like a roller coaster. You know, over the moon one minute and low as you can go the next. Yeah, it took a toll on them. Mm-hmm. And Erin, she sort of withdrew socially and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And even grew distant from her husband, John. Yeah, and he's kind of a low-key guy anyway. Like we said, you know, he didn't really show much emotion and stuff. And he really didn't know how to comfort her. And, and she felt like maybe he just didn't didn't care or whatever. But I think it's more of a he just didn't really know what to do. So he did nothing. Yeah. And that's definitely not what to do. He just watched TV and played video games. Right. That's what he did and went mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. Yep. But now their neighbors, Chris and Nicole, yeah, you know, they had the five-year-old Liberty. Right. Chris, he had been sort of observing Aaron when they hung out. And well, you know, he sorry to cut you out there, but you know, he was also uh, had been depressed and uh, been a lot through a lot of stuff after his when he coming back from his two tours. Yeah. So, like you said, you know, he'd kind of seen her going through some stuff, and he thought maybe he could help her out. Yeah. Because he he kind of been there. Yeah, he was going through some stuff too, and she was so. So they kind of started bonding over this mutual sorrow i guess you could say yeah and then he started to spend a little bit more time when his wife wasn't around with Aaron. so it was one sunday night in february of 2014 this is when uh the lees joined the corwins in their apartment right and john and nicole they were watching an episode of the walking dead that was their sunday night thing yeah they all got together and watched the walking dead but Aaron didn't care too much for it she didn't like all that violence yeah she didn't like that show but instead of uh, joining his wife, Nicole, Chris, he played some video games with Aaron. Well, he said that, uh, you know, when they got ready to watch it, that he had missed like the two episodes before this, so he didn't want to watch this episode, the new one, and then be out of sync. Yeah, and so, I get that. Yeah, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he went and played some video games with Aaron in John's bedroom. Right. And Chris and Aaron were alone, Dale. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting on the floor beside each other playing some video games. And one of them paused the game, mm-hmm. and Aaron looked over toward Chris. So you know it was him. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, what's up? Yep. And they started kissing. Yeah. He just planted one on her. Yep. And it only lasted for a few seconds, but that one kiss changed everything. Yep. And that's when they began an affair. Yeah. Right there. Right there. And, and John and they're watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. Ten feet from everybody else. Yeah. Crazy. Now, this affair, it became intense pretty quick, man. Yeah. And soon they were discussing leaving their spouses and talking about how great of a stepmom Aaron would be for Liberty. Right. You know, because they had Aaron uh, babysit for them a good bit, and Mm -hmm. she really liked that. Yeah. She wanted a family, you know, and that's probably the reason that she was so devastated when she had the miscarriage. Yeah. Yeah, remember Aaron, I mean, uh, Liberty was five, so yeah, they they bonded pretty quickly. Yeah, and meanwhile, you know, oh, uh, Nicole was not the best uh, 
housekeeper, as they say. They so said their said, house was pretty. It was always messy. Yeah. And she really wasn't keeping up with her kid. A lot of times you would see Liberty outside playing by herself. And especially if it was a football day, she would tell you that mommy says football day and for me not to ask her for nothing today. And she'd just be out by herself. And just It was just kind of strange stuff. Yeah. That uh, what she did. So I don't, I don't know what was going on in there, but it wasn't good. Yep. But now, Nicole, she could see how distance Chris had become, man. Mm-hmm. She and, it, yeah. yeah, and she was checking his phone. Mm-hmm. And she had saw some text Chris had made to Aaron. Right. And some of them were saying, you're so gorgeous, and I think I'm falling for you. That ain't good. No, that ain't good at all, man. Yeah. And Nicole confronted Chris about this. Yeah, and just uh, when them real long tirades I yeah mean, it probably lasted for hours here and and even informed john this is aaron's husband of the affair right yeah they all got together one night and uh before i mean while everybody was there she pretty much just blasted them right there in front of everybody yeah it sort of changed the mood real quick didn't it yeah i'm sure now i think before this they had actually been busted by a neighbor who saw him kissing somewhere mm-hmm. and she told him you know Y'all gotta quit this shit, you know. And said, you know, they were they act like nothing was going on, and and it was just, you know, didn't mean to happen. Like, like we'll quit now. She said, well, if you quit, then I won't say nothing because it's really none of my business. But if this is going to continue, it's got to be out and open. Because in the in the military, uh, people called having an affair. That's kind of frowned upon. They actually can be reprimanded for that stuff. Yeah, it's not good. No, it ain't good at all. Right. So anyway, while uh, she was uh, blasting them in front of everybody, and then uh, Aaron turned to leave. And then Nicole stormed after her. Mm-hmm. She like shoved her finger up in her face and said, "If you ever have anything else to do with my husband, I'll kill you myself." Yeah, it's like woo. And Aaron and Chris briefly caught off the affair for several weeks, but were later sneaking, sneaking off, sneaking off again. Yeah, but you know she's probably flipping out there for a while because she's probably never seen nothing like this. You know, yeah, her young and, <laughs> and about hitting her face, but I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I mean, Aaron, I mean, she's young and got this older guy paying some attention to her. And, yeah, her, yeah I mean, I, she's struck by him, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Sneaking off and getting the thrill. Yep. But in the meantime, Chris's time in the Marines was due to end on July the 4th of 2014. Mm-hmm. And after this, him, Nicole, and their little girl, Liberty, they were scheduled to return to their home in Alaska. Alaska. Mm-hmm. Now, on June the 22nd, Aaron learned that she was pregnant again, dude. Mm. And this time, she didn't announce it on social media. No. She kept it to herself. Right. And the following week, on June the 28th, Chris planned a trip to Joshua Tree National Park with Connor. to right. This was the other neighbor. Yeah. To hunt coyotes. And they took along their 22 winchester rifles right and he also had a propane tank he hoped to explode yep. using some gasoline and his rifle and yeah, he want to go blow up an old mine shaft yeah that was said. his thing because we like we said he loved destruction right he loved to blow up stuff shoot guns and just be i don't know man i don't, I don't know what you call it so i seen a couple places saying they didn't know about this deal because they were saying that coyotes were more nocturnal so would you be able to kill them in the daytime and can you even hunt in a national park i don't know or was this maybe this is out? So maybe there's somewhere near Joshua Tree. I yeah. Don't, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Right. But that's where they were. They were out near there. Yeah. But Connor, he had to cancel because he had friends staying over. So 
Chris went alone. Yeah. Yeah, he said he still had people laying on his couches that were uh, hungover from the night before. Yeah. So, yeah, he couldn't go. But by coincidence, Aaron was also driving to Joshua Tree that day, supposedly to scout out some places to take her mother when she was coming out to California for an upcoming visit. Yeah, and, and the reason she didn't put it on Facebook, she was wanting to surprise her mother and let her know that she was pregnant when she got there. Yeah. So she she had told uh, John that she was going to go out to the desert or going out to Joshua Tree to find some places to take her mom when she got there so it would be some cool places to go visit. Yeah, I get that. she had never been there. Mm-hmm. But now, around 7.30 that morning, Aaron got up and she kissed John goodbye. Mm-hmm. And she told him she loved him and she left. Right. And it was his, his day off, and so he's just going to lay around and uh, play some video games and some computer games mm-hmm. and then just, just hang out at home while she went to go look for a place to take her mom. Yep. And she left and did not return that night. No. Okay. Yeah, like she had been gone for several hours, and he was starting to get worried. And uh, he started calling her, and he couldn't get a hold of her. And then he knew that, uh, that the signal out in the desert was pretty sketchy, so... You know, you're kind of getting worried, but you kind of know it may not be something, not nothing to it, but then again, it might be something. Yeah. So I think he ended up calling or texting her like over 50 times and leaving her messages and never got anything back. Never got nothing back from her. So he's pretty, uh, he's flipping out here at home, but he don't ever, he don't ever call the cops or anything. Mm -mm. But later he would say that the reason he didn't, he did the next morning when he got up and she still hadn't returned. But, you know, he said that he waited and called them then, and they thought that was pretty sketchy, too. But he was like, well, I thought you had to wait 24 hours when yeah. somebody was missing before you could report it, before yeah. you could do anything. And he also called Aaron's mom and told her. Yes. And that's when she decided to come on out. Right. And I think a lot of people think that 24-hour deal is from, from just from watching TV, that that's, a, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. But, but no, you you, know, you don't have to. No. Give him a call. Let him know. I mean, hell, you never know. If she was, if she was going to the desert, if she run out of water or got lost because one of the things that said that she's not very good with directions and, and being in directional situations she would make it have got lost in the desert or disoriented or something and right or overheated and run out of water or attacked by one of those nighttime coyotes or, or whatever yeah but, but anyway he never did he didn't report it till the next day yeah but before um aaron's mom could even get on her plane john had phoned her back and he broke the news that aaron and Chris had been having an affair. Mm. And Aaron's mom, she was making her plans to get out to California. And this was when Aaron's car was found. And it was abandoned. And that's when her mom pretty much feared the worst. Right. And after arriving in California, days had passed without further notice. And the police kept asking if she may have disappeared on purpose. Right. I think at one time, even before they found the car, that they thought maybe she just got pissed off and was driving back to Tennessee, you know, when they couldn't get a hold of her. And then, But I think they kind of said, well, that was just a, a thought. Mm-hmm. But then they found the car, so they knew that was not the case. Yeah, but the car wasn't where it should have been. It was out away from Joshua Tree National Park entrance. Right. They found yeah. the car, but... That's all they found so far. No, Aaron. They'd, and they found some footprints and some other tire tracks, tire too. Tire tracks. Correct. Yep. yep. But now, Aaron's cupboards and everything in her house were stocked with food, and she'd been planning to cook while her mom had been out to, have, I guess, some have some home-cooked meals. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty good sign that Aaron, I guess, was wanting to hang around. Yeah, she wasn't running off. No. Right. Well, I think once they find their car, they realize that she wasn't just 
you know, walking. Yeah. <laughs> and they were asking everybody where she could be. Right. They were asking the neighbors, and they had questioned Chris. And he said um, he had seen her around, and he just, you know, when she had passed by, he'd say hey and right. or bye or something, and how you doing, that'd be it. Yeah, he kind of blew it off that he really knew her that much at all, mm-hmm. which was kind of silly. Yeah. Because everybody already knew, you know. And I think Chris and, and John were both the suspects, you know, pretty right off the bat. But I think John was pretty much ruled out quickly because they they run his uh, his phone pings and stuff in the it was basically there all day. Yeah. Unless, you know, he come, of course, he could have left his phone there and left. But. And John took a polygraph test and passed it. Hmm. So he was immediately ruled out yeah. as a suspect. Everything looked like he was truthful. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, on the other hand, is a little bit different. Yeah. He had motive, means, and opportunity because, I mean, he even said himself, you know, he had been out there in the desert as well. So it's kind of kind of odd. Mm-hmm. And he was even caught, you know, lying about the affair to the police. You know, like you said, he was just telling them you know like he really didn't know her and this kind of stuff but mm, he definitely did yeah it wasn't long after aaron went missing chris and his wife nicole and their little girl liberty they moved back to alaska Hmm. and i'm pretty sure they had horses yeah they did and they took them back with them they worked at a there was a horse ranch near there and they volunteered there and then had adopted i think a couple of horses and even aaron had went there with them as well Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was like so, a rescue place for horses. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, and uh, yeah, so they were all there. So, yeah, when they left, you know, they drove back to Alaska, so they had to take their horses. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were searching Joshua Tree National Park mm-hmm. for Aaron. It even been described that they were looking for a needle in a haystack in a haystack. Yeah. That was just crazy. I mean, thousands and thousands of square miles. Yes. Yeah. And then it said so many, uh, like six different law enforcement agencies and hundreds of volunteers out there searching for her. Mm-hmm. And they searched for weeks. And then uh, there were so many mines and stuff out here, they just didn't really know where they were looking or where to start, really. Yeah. And I think he's square, they've over, been between 1,200 and 2,000 square miles they're out here searching. And after several weeks of searching, they found nothing. Right. And the authorities made the difficult decision that on Saturday august the 16th the search would end right but luckily they they found a guy who had been with uh chris one other time it was like the weekend before she went missing he had been back out there and said he was out scouting some places to go hunting and blow up some mines and this guy had been taking some pictures and stuff so they found him or he came forward and showed him the pictures now they'd found a, a guy who lived out there and all he did was explore and his name was Doug Billings, but he had a nickname, uh, Cave Doug, right. which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, so he looked at the pictures, and he thought he kind of could help them really narrow it down to figure out where these pictures were taken, and that would take their search that way. And he saw the pictures, and he knew exactly where it was. Yeah. And they took them out there. Right. He knew it was just a, a select uh, number of mine shafts that could be mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, uh went with those photos and uh on the last day you know it's starting to get dark like you said they, they uh, decided they would quit on that saturday the last day they finally went to the last mine yeah and they noticed a strong cadaver smell with gasoline yeah gasoline smell coming from one of the mines right kind of uh decomp smell mm, yeah and they lowered a bucket 
down that with a, a light on it and a GoPro. GoPro cam, yeah. Yeah, they lowered it down into this mine, straight down in the ground mm-hmm. mine. And it went down, I think, about 140 feet. Yep. And that's when they saw a propane tank, uh, a Sprite bottle, and Aaron's yep. body. Yep. I think it was like a, a homemade torch yeah. or something in there. Yeah. Sure was. Yep, and that's when they they found her, and then uh, they got the mine guys ready and lowered them down in there to go retrieve the body. Yep, and they called out the uh, fire department because the local fire department there they had been used to, I guess, doing maneuvers in tight places and different things. So they called them out there, and they had a guy that went down with a oxygen tank, and um, he descended down in the mine. Right. And he he went down and confirmed that it was a body down there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he came up and they sent another guy down with a, a bot. I think it was two body bags, and he was able to put Aaron's body inside those bags. Yeah, pretty bad decomposed though. Yeah, and brought up the the other stuff, the Sprite bottle and the mm-hmm. propane tank and all the other stuff he found down there. Yeah, and, and all that stuff is weird. But what what the plan was? The plan was when she was thrown into the to the uh, well they brought up when they brought her back up they realized that she had been killed she was choked to death with a homemade garage yeah it looked like a two steel rebar pieces of rebar with some rope right it's kind of like when you see somebody on tv and they take a piano wire and wrap it around somebody's neck well they'd be like that but it could be a rope or piano wire or whatever with two handles on it so you put it around somebody's head and you just pull around her neck and choke her to death mm. so that was still wrapped around her neck and even twisted up into some of her hair and stuff but anyway, they pulled her up, and then what What the plan was, the, the, the propane tank was thrown in there, and apparently they were, they were going to, uh, I don't know if the gas was poured in, or it was just on the, on the um, but I'm, I'm assuming the way they were going to do it was just crack the propane tank open, throw it down in there, and then throw the torch in there, and hoping of exploding it to blow up the dirt to cave in on, the, on top of the body. Yeah. And it was lucky that the body was where it was, because it had fallen on a ledge, and uh Actually, the mine was 250 feet deep. Total. Yeah, but actually it got caught on a ledge about 140 feet down. Mm-hmm. So they may have not ever found it if, it if it went to the bottom. Probably not. Right. So they was able to get Aaron's body out. Mm-hmm. And this one, they, the authorities, they go up to Anchorage, Alaska, mm-hmm. and they pick up Christopher Lee. Yep. And they bring him back to San Bernardino, California. Yeah, he was arrested for first-degree murder with the special circumstances of lying in wait. Yeah. Which basically means he set a trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he knew that he was going to be expedited, so he didn't even fight it because he knew he, he didn't have no chance, so he went with him. Well, during his interrogation, man, he would try to lie his way out of everything they asked him. Oh, yeah. And how they figured out it was him, they knew that when they found her car, that the, uh, the tire tracks up beside of it was his jeep tracks yeah and then you could tell that she just got out of her car by the footprints and got into his car mm-hmm. so that's why the car was where it was because he he said he had told her that they were going on a special trip that day and we find out all this because her best friend she had been uh texting back in tennessee her name was jesse the whole time yeah and telling her everything that was going on told her everything so when she found out she was missing she contacted authorities and go i got it all right here Mm-hmm. So she knew about the whole affair. She knew about what was going on. She knew how the house uh, Aaron felt about him and how uh, when she got pregnant, she knew it, it was Chris's. And they had already been talking about uh, baby names and 
how each of them they was going to both leave their spouses and be together and they were going to move to Alaska and happily ever after and all this. Well, meanwhile, Chris was uh, planning some devious shit. Yeah. He had told her that we were going to go out on a special day. It was going to be a whole day for ourselves. Got a big surprise for you. And she didn't know what it was. She thought maybe he was even going to propose marriage or, or something like that. You know, she was just excited and told her friend that she didn't know what it was going to be because it just couldn't get here soon enough. So the day coming, so what happened is he, I think it was a two-hour ride out there, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So they got together and, like, you knew it was going to be a, they could talk a good bit before they got there and stuff. And the whole time he's planning on killing her when they get to the desert, even though he's telling her we're going on this, this great trip and we have the whole day to ourselves. Uh, man, he's sick. Yeah. The whole time she's excited, thinks she's fixing to get a ring or get proposed or tell her that I want you to leave your husband or I'm leaving my wife. I mean, she didn't know what was going on. And then next thing you know, he's killed her. Mm-hmm. Mm. So anyway, that's why they went to go pick him up in it because yeah. they knew it was him Yeah, from all the, the text messages and all the evidence that they're finding. But he kept trying to lie to get out of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about some more lies, too. Because at his trial, which began in October of 2016, the prosecution easily establishes Chris' affinity for violence, man. That he loved blowing up stuff, shooting guns, as well as his motive and opportunity for Aaron's murder. Right. And the defense presented just one witness. Yeah. And it was Chris. (laughs) Dumbass. And he took the stand in his own defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, even though that uh, they knew that his DNA was on the, the propane tank, his DNA was on the makeshift torch because it was he used a T-shirt of his, yeah, and it had his DNA in the collar, and on the Sprite bottle, it had both of them's DNA and fingerprints on the Sprite bottle, yeah. So they knew, you know, he had already been there. And then, actually, the guy that had the photos, the photos, he had he had a uh, GPS coordinates was a. Uh, you know, on each photo, so they knew exactly where he had been, and then uh, so he knew he had been in that exact spot before. Mm-hmm. So they they've had him nailed pretty good, but he's still going to take the stand and try to get out of this. Now, while on the stand, Chris confessed to killing Aaron Corwin, confirming all the evidence against him. Mm-hmm. But then he said, while speaking with Aaron in the desert about her desire to be Liberty's stepmom, he remembered something. Yeah, something triggered him. Yeah. He said one night after his wife had given Liberty a bath, Chris told the court that Nicole found her daughter's crotch to be red and irritated. Hmm. And this is when Nicole accused Aaron of some kind of, or somehow causing this suspicious rash. Yeah, they thought she had been molested. molested. Yeah. Yes. And Chris. Well, that, that was the claim here in court. Yes, that's what he was saying on the stand. Right. And Chris started to think that Aaron seemed too emotionally attached to Liberty. And then that's when he claimed a uh, gear turned in his head. Mm-hmm. And while they were out there in the desert, that's when he asked Aaron, if he asked her, did you touch Liberty? Did you molest my daughter? Yes. She said yes. But that was the last thing he, he ever heard her say. Which all this is lies. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's saying while he's on the stand. Right, yeah. He's saying she said yes, but she didn't say it. Yeah, because she's not there to defend herself. And that's when he said he lost control and grabbed a garrote and squeezed the life out of Aaron. So that's then, just, you know, because you just happen to carry that in your pocket. Everybody carries a garrote around. Don't you got one? Yeah. Yeah. I got my back pocket. I got two. But yeah, he squeezed the life out of Aaron. Right. But now the st- 
story was an attempt to consider a charge for involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Well, you know, if he got that, he could be out in as little as three years or something, mm-hmm. you know. So he's basically lying, saying his daughter's being molested, using his daughter as a damn ploy. And him up there on the stand saying this, and Aaron's parents are there in the courtroom saying that about her. Yeah. Uh, God almighty, man. Trash. The balls of this guy. Trash. But the jurors didn't believe him at all. Oh, no. Mm-mm. He even in court demonstrated how he choked her out with a grot with a, a mannequin dummy. And it took how long? Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. And they counted, the lawyer or the prosecution counted it down. Shit. Yeah. There's a video of this online on now, YouTube. Now, they uh, she also had like uh, skull fractures and stuff. So I wonder if, did he hit her from behind, you think? And Knock then, her and out. Then, and then choke her out yeah. or something. And then throw her down the damn mine shaft. Yeah. 140 feet, which is equivalent to 14 stories. Yeah. If he was on a 14-story hotel, we all been there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I mean, that's how far it was down that hole. Yeah. If you think about it. Damn. He's a monster, man. Yeah. Yeah. But the jurors didn't believe him, dude. No. And they found him guilty of first-degree murder. With special circumstance. Yeah. Right. Which and, is the kicker on this. Yeah. Now, get this. It took them just 15 minutes to reach that verdict, dude. Yeah, I'd heard that it was near the end of the day, so they decided to... uh you know, go ahead and close up for the day and, and then come back the next day and deliberate. And then when they went in, they knew it didn't take them but about 15 minutes to get to it, but they actually stayed uh, back for two hours or so because they all actually wanted to have one more lunch together <laughs> before they decided to, to call it call it quits. So it only took them 15 minutes to reach the verdict, but they went ahead and got a lunch out of it. I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. Trash. Yeah. So anyway, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and now resides in the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego. Yep. Now, a lot of people was wondering why they wouldn't try to get uh, the death penalty for him, but Aaron's family, they really didn't want him to get the death penalty because then they would have to go to every uh, appeal appeal that he had, and there would be very, uh, there would be many of them. Yeah, yes. and just be re- reliving this over and over. Yeah, so they were pretty happy to get what they got. Yeah. I just can't believe the balls of this guy to try to run her reputation in the ground as far as sexually assaulting a a child. You know, and even after this supposedly happened, they still used it for a babysitter all the time, and he was still, they were still having sex together. Yeah. So, you know, he's lying. Yeah. Unless, I mean, I don't know. It's just, he's that guy. Every time you say something, he's got another lie for it. Now, while Chris was on the stand, he presented an apology to the family, but he never did look at Aaron's mom. He wouldn't look at her in the face or the eyes or anything. I'm sure they, they wanted that. Yeah. Now, Aaron's family has worked to remember the good times with her. And instead of focusing their, their anger on it, the killer. Mm-hmm. And she said that she's decided to refuse to be bitter and angry. And Yeah, he's already taken enough from yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and if I'm bitter and angry, he's, he's taking my mind, my soul, and my heart. And I'm not giving him that. Yeah. Man. So he's serving his life in prison without parole. Yeah, because he's trash. Yeah. So I don't know anything about what happened to his uh, Chris's wife. Well, I Nicole. Think they tried to. They did look at getting her for accessory after the fact because they thought she was in on it. Because you know, when when she was missing, when she first went missing, Aisling was talking to Nicole about it, and she said, "I don't give a damn what happens to that little bitch." So I think she was kind of in on this, and she might have even pushed him to do this. 
Could have. But they tried to, they looked at maybe getting her for accessory or accessory after the fact, but they just didn't have enough evidence to make it fixed. So right now, I don't think anything's happened to her. Mm -mm. So I guess she's still in Alaska with Liberty. Could be. Could very well be. That little girl's going to grow up hearing this stuff and knowing how her parents threw her under the bus Mm -hmm. as far as being sexually assaulted and using her to try to pry daddy out of jail. Poor girl, 19 years old, mm-hmm. life cut short. Yep. She was just a kid, man. Just a kid, man. But they didn't, her body was so decomposed, they couldn't tell um, if she, she was pregnant or, or anything like that. Couldn't tell right. or get any kind of DNA from anything like that to, to, to determine who the father was. Or to be able to charge her for double murder. This is true. You know, even though she had been somewhere, I think, to have, you know, to know she was pregnant for sure, she'd been to some doctor, but so I guess there's a record somewhere, but I guess you couldn't prove it. Well, you don't know if she miscarried yesterday, you know, so mm-hmm. it'd been hard to prove, but anyway, he's in jail for life. So. Yeah, he's not getting out. No. Nope. But anyway, that is the murder of Aaron Corwin, dude. Mm, sad tale. It is. All right, dude, we are going to get out of here, bud. Let's roll, bro. We want everyone to be safe. Be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.